everyone, listeners. I'm sure I've told you in an earlier voice break that we were going to have Annie Golson, a key director who recently released um, this documentary on Kim.com. I'm sure many of you guys have heard about this internet enigma who's taken the entire internet world by storm and is a highly wanted man. Here with us in the studio Radio 1, we've got Annie with us and I'm going to be asking her a few questions about her documentary. By the way, the premiere of um, her documentary is tonight at the Rialto. We'll talk more about that after. Um, Annie, how are you? I'm good, thank you, and thanks for having me on. That's all good. Um, have you been down in Dunedin before for the New Zealand International Film Festival? I have, quite a few times. One was memorable. I think it was 2011 and there was a snowstorm, so I got stuck in the octagon. Uh, <laughs> yep, that's what Dunedin's famous for, having really crappy weather. <laughs> I had the most hair-riding track, track, uh, trip back from the airport. We went to the airport and our flights were all cancelled, so we had to then get back into town and it was um, exciting. Ah, exciting in, uh, <laughs> in the grand way. meaning of that. <laughs> yeah, in the scary Well, yeah, um, onto Kim.com, caught in the web. Um, it's a controversial, highly anticipated documentary, but what inspired you in the first place to tell the story behind this, behind this man, this man that everyone seems to have dubbed like a martyr? Have they? Oh, that's interesting. People <laughs> dub him various things, actually. But I was... I mean, I, as soon as I saw the raid on the mansion, which was 2012, I just thought this seems like theatre. You know, there were so many police, so many helicopters, such a performance that I really... I mean, I'd, I'd never heard of Kim.com and I'd barely heard of Mega Upload, but when um, I saw the raid, I thought, aha, there must be a bigger story behind this. But then it took, took, it took me a while and I met a producer who was also really interested in the story. He's a, a German based in Auckland, a guy called Alexander Bays. So we got together and um, started to make the film, yeah. Interesting. So has your personal opinion on Cam.com changed at all when you first heard about him? Like you said, when, with the whole raid in his house in Coatesville um, through the, and through the media, and has it changed from then to after filming documentary about him? Look, I think he's an interesting and controversial character. I mean, part of my interest in doing the film is my concern about the issues that underpin the dot-com case, which I've, I talk about in the film, which I see as, you know, how do we access media and entertainment and knowledge in the age of the internet? You know, how do we support filmmakers and musicians in the digital age? And another issue that concerned me was around surveillance and pirate mm. privacy, and then yeah. finally around sovereignty. So, I mean, I think Kim is a very interesting character. What attracted me to him was his kind of rollicking backstory. Mm. And I thought, well, I can look at these serious issues, but also tell a pretty dramatic tale. In terms of my personal opinion, I mean, I'm... I'm someone, even though I'm a filmmaker, I'm someone who's kind of reasonably open to experiments when it comes to distribution. I think a lot of entrepreneurs do work in that kind of grey area. So whereas I don't necessarily respect everything he's done because I think he's done it to make money and that's not something that, you know, thrills me particularly. Um, I also feel he is very innovative and that kind of he works in the space where 
where entrepreneurs often work. And moreover, he does keep a sense of humour, you know, given mm -hmm. that, yeah. you know, he taunts the powerful, which, um, you know, the most powerful people in the world, you know, from the mm. Five Eyes and the FBI to the US yeah. government. And there's something in his attitude that I find very interesting. Do you reckon he's a kind of person who's able to exercise power? Like, do you think he can use that to his advantage? He is an individually powerful person, and I've watched people in his orbit, you know, and he does exercise qu quite a lot of power, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure if it's because, I'm not quite sure what that is down to. Maybe his determination, his drive. I think Kim.com has a sense of the zeitgeist, you know, something like Mega mm. Upload, even though you might disapprove of how it was used. He may have made things like Netflix and Dropbox possible in that he mm. proved there was a commercial model for uh, cloud storage on the internet. Yeah. So, so he's, yeah. he's definitely someone who <laughs> understands, you know, the, the current period. Right. Uh, the, so for this uh, Q&A session that usually comes right after the screening of mm -hmm. um, this documentary, you're going, you're going to be um, present for the one in Dunedin, right? In yes, this one tonight. tonight. It's yep. I think 7.45, I think, the film starts. So. Right. The and film's quite long, so it'll be after that, the Q&A, yeah. Would you, um, do you expect to hear any kind of um, interesting or unexpected comments? Because the, the first local premiere was in Auckland, right? And did you have any um, anyone raise some very interesting questions about your documentary or Kim.com? There's always interesting questions. I think one thing that the critics worldwide actually, because the film is also shown already at festivals in the US and Canada right, and yeah. elsewhere, the, um, the reviews tend to say that the film is quite balanced. I mean, I don't think I've made it either to praise Kim.com nor to condemn him, but I've just tried to sort of tell the truth as I understand it and as I've seen it unravel and also tried, I suppose, as I said earlier, to clarify some of the issues behind the case. Mm. So um, they've been very good. In fact, one thing I have found in New Zealand is that New Zealand audiences get the humour better, you know, because there's, there's so many figures yeah. we <laughs> recognise in the film and, you know, international audiences don't quite get the humour the way that Kiwi audiences do. So that's been nice to hear the laughs, actually. Mm, true. Do you mention about um, trying to present Kim's narrative as more, um, something more balanced, like try not being sympathetic towards him or anything. Um, was that always your main intention with approaching this doc? Like when you first started out to do this documentary about him, was it just to create this objective sense, um, try to tell his story? You know, in any, in all cases, a documentary is something of a self-exploration. You don't quite know where it's going to go, no matter how much research you do and how prepared you feel you are dealing with that thing called reality. Mm. So in a sense, it's always a journey. And I wasn't quite sure what I was going to discover or what I was going to feel. I mean, the film is not really an investigative piece in that, that we weren't trying to kind of, you know, dig down and find unrevealed truths. Um, I mean, it's more, as I say, the following of a quite an incredible story, but also an exploration of, of the issues. Right. Um, what was what 
really piqued your interest to produce um, films like this, like documentaries like this, that are politically charged rather than, say, more mainstream films that you reckon like the public, because you mentioned earlier like the public will always have like different opinions, like with more mainstream films that um, public would probably be more like and I don't know, like you'd probably get like a better reception from them if you know what I mean, I'm, I'm sorry um, yeah, yeah. yeah, like why would, why would you do politically charged documentaries that would probably not be as popular with the public than mainstream films is what I'm trying to get mm-hmm. at yeah. um, I don't really know, I actually began a bit like you I started in radio and so I was always oh, interested and cool. I worked for Radio New Zealand as sort of a cub reporter in the old days mm-hmm. so I was, always introduced, I was always interested in political ideas and kind of social issues. I don't really see myself as an advocacy f- filmmaker. I'm more interested, perhaps I would say, without wanting to sound boring, but sort of educational contexts and history, you know, political frameworks and so forth. So I'd like to say it sort of beats having a job, but then I have a, <laughs> I have a teaching job as well, so yeah. I've never been able to live off my films. <laughs> so I guess it doesn't pay that well. <laughs> Well, it's pretty hard, I think, whatever sort of film that you do to live off it, actually. You know, unless you're right. making commercials. Uh, yeah, that's fair. So tell us some of the um, personal attributes that would make a good filmmaker. You know, almost above anything, you have to be incredibly dogged and determined because it's incredible amount of work. It's, um, it's an and you're life. having to constantly <laughs> deal with the unexpected with personalities and in a way if you think about it you've got kind of a business side of it because you've got fundraising managing money mm. you've got an aesthetic side you know how do you deal with the look of the film what kind of film are you going to make it's very collaborative because you're working with editors and DOPs and sound people and sound mixers and graders um, you're dealing with your subjects so mm-hmm. it's very psychological almost you know because you're dealing with people who are appearing before the camera mm. um, it's intellectual because you've got to do your homework and understand the issues so in in many ways it's great because it exercises all aspects of your brain <laughs> like to say all so you know it's um and it's always it's it's just a huge amount of work, but it's kind of, I mean, it's always different and varied, and I, I do like that. Hmm. Would you say that um, it takes a while to hone these kind of personal attributes? Yeah. Something you can pick yeah. up along in the indus- industry? or? Yes, and I, I, you know, I'm a believer. I'm also a teacher at the University of Auckland, and I teach a lot of academic courses, but I also teach one documentary directing paper, and I have for a long time. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I've had students who are very talented, but they just haven't had the endurance, sort of mm-hmm. fall by the wayside, mm-hmm. just because it's all too difficult in a way. So um, right. I think it's important to have certain personal attributes, but I think it's also important to find a team of people that you want to work with, mm. you know, that care about the same things that you care about. Because, yeah, you know, yeah. today with, you know, digital equipment being so much cheaper, you know, you can start yeah. to make work, start to explore things relatively easily. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's always, gosh, I started a degree many years ago in this very city, Dunedin University, where I did yeah, a rather... amazing. <laughs> I did a rather mediocre BSC, I have to say. 
<laughs> so it's funny to be here now doing what I'm doing. Yeah, no, it comes around full circle. Um, I've got a, one last question for you before we wrap this interview up. Do you have any advice to any aspiring filmmakers out there? Um, well, I think be sh- you know make sure that that's what you want to do, and you know keep keep focused. Don't fantasize about having films in Cannes and Sundance quite yet. I mean, I think <laughs> that you do need to kind of build your career. Mm. I think the other thing that's important in New Zealand in many fields is have what we would say as a saying: have more than one string in your bow. And so far as the industry has a lot of opportunities for craft positions as well. So perhaps if you work as an editor, you can still get your own work done every several years, or you could work as a production assistant and become a producer. You know, you could become a grader if you really like the sort of visual look. So I think it's really important to be flexible and to think about right. how you're going to support yourself as well. Be realistic, yeah. pretty much. But yeah. there, are, there are a lot of opportunities in the industry to pick up a good craft that's a pretty kind of, you know... It's a, it's a pretty good career for a lot of people, but to, to live as a director-producer is quite hard. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm. Um, well, that concludes pretty much all the questions I've got for you for this interview, but um, thank you so much for being here in Radio oh, you're One. You're welcome. For this, um, yeah, and to just, I don't know, just being here must be amazing because you mentioned earlier that you were a student and now that it's come back full circle, it must be, it must be great being back in Dunedin. Yeah, no, it's the really weather. nice. I've always been very fond of Dunedin. <laughs> So I hope, I don't know if I've got old friends out there, but it'll be great to see you tonight if you want to come along. Yeah. And um, speaking of which, Radio On listeners, the screening for Kim.com, Cut in the Web, is at the Rialto at 7.45pm tonight. So if you do go there, a Q&A session will be held by Annie herself, and I'm sure she'll be glad to answer any questions you guys have for her. Thank you so much again for being here. You're very welcome.